Good day everyone. Welcome to episode 14 of Unboxing the Faith. Now, the title of this episode is Saints, Souls and Purgatory, but probably a better name would be Church Militant, Penitent and Triumphant. But that won't attract as many people now, would it? We have Father Surin here today, so let's not waste any more time and let us begin. What do you believe? Organ. Eucharist. Saints. Christmas. Tradition. Sacraments. Hymns. Trinity. Easter. Mary. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Our faith is not a question of I think. It's a question of Jesus Christ has taught us through the church. All right. Welcome, Father Serene. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, Father? Good morning. Thank you for having me in this podcast. Um, I'm doing well. Currently now, um, I am pursuing my studies, mm-hmm. uh, postgraduate studies in philosophy. Um, uh, we would understand it as master's, but it's also something that in the church circles, we call it a licentiate in philosophy. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So that is what ha- you have been doing Currently. after uh, okay after you have left uh, KNJCC as well. Uh. Uh, after KNJCC, I was sent to Kajang Holy Family as parish priest there. I was there for three years, and then after that, I was sent to study. And since then, this has been my journey so far, studying. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, at the point where I'm working on a thesis, mm-hmm. uh, so that it will come to completion and. Hopefully, one day can defend it next year. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, All right. yeah. All right. Was this a desire from yourself to pursue further pursue this edu- uh, this uh, master's? Um, no, I <laughs> Archbishop asked if I will go for this studies, mm-hmm. and you said yes, lah. Uh, in obedience, <laughs> <laughs> certainly. Right. Thank you for your obedience. We hope to hear something from you, lah, in this field. Sure. Soon. All right. So let's get into this topic. Uh, like I mentioned in the intro, it's probably more appropriate to talk about uh, this topic in these terms, church militant, church penitent, and church triumphant. So I'll start off with the CCC, all right, and then you just give us the bigger picture. Sure. Right? The CCC reaffirms uh, this statement in paragraph 954, and it says, The three states of the church, when the Lord comes in glory and all his angels with him, Death will no more and all things will be subject to him. But at the present time, some of his disciples are pilgrims on, church, on earth. Sorry, Others have died and are being purified. While still others are in glory, contemplating in full light God himself triune and one, exactly as he is. So in the paragraph, it mentions very briefly the three states, right? So to make sure people aren't too confused, Father, uh, let's first talk about what each of these names mean, shall we? Right? What is church militant? Because uh, when I when the first thing that I think about militant is military. Are we fighting for something on earth? Uh? Perhaps just to give an overview first. Mm, sure, Taking sure, sure. immediately from the citation of the CCC, the CCC does not mention these terms explicitly. That we must know very clearly. It doesn't mention church triumphant, church militant, or church suffering. It doesn't quote it that way. But 
implicitly those meanings are within that paragraph that we cite just now perhaps uh, to be understood in a more broad sense as the church in heaven the church on earth and the faithful departed who have gone before us so this is the the three levels in which we can see the communion of saints mm. those who are united with christ in heaven those who have gone before us and are on the way to that final union with christ and those of us who are alive and here on earth and we be church here so that's one perspective of understanding um this whole diagram you know nevertheless we have also come to use these terms because it is um, not contravening the idea of what the ccc is speaking about uh, it rather puts it in a more uh, simpler way of understanding what the charism of the church is speaking of the three states of the church so we have church triumphant church militant church suffering right so the question is about church militant huh? the suggestion about the word militant seems to speak about a sense of a military antagonism uh, that there is something that the church seems to be opposing around or in the world well actually there is no military movement as such in in any form of aggression or assertion uh, whether be it politically or physically uh, the church is if we will if we will put it in a bra- broader context uh, the church is not against the world okay because christ is not against the world per se god created the world in love so there is goodness in the world the broader sense of the world huh? the world that we live in when we use the word world we refer sometimes to the gospel of john and that's where we will see in john's gospel it becomes now more explicit in meaning that christ sometimes stands in opposition to certain values of the world right now when these values are opposed to the kingdom of god the values that are taught by christ as the king the values of god's kingdom these now become a sense of division mm. right and so what does the church seek to do as church militant the church uh, tries to work to overcome the imperfection of sinful dimensions uh, in our human society within our own human life uh, the church seeks to transform the world therefore mm. by living the the values of the gospel within our society so this is not so much as uh, doing battle physically but perhaps we can understand it in a simple way as christians we set good examples for society mm. by our virtues by our solidarity by our justice sense of justice what we are doing is we are trying to overcome the struggles of 
values that are affront to Christ mm-hmm. values that are different from God's kingdom mm-hmm. and there are plenty of such values in the world uh, created by human weaknesses you know and and the church militant engages in uh, a sort of spiritual warfare if mm-hmm. we may call that you know a battle against sinful passions a battle against the presence of evil in this world uh, this we can call church militant so we are not soldiers in the sense of uh, being politically or uh, physically fighting a cause but we are disciples church in the world but not totally of the world because there is also the kingdom of god that the disciples of christ follow live by so we're not we're not fighting with each other we're not fighting with anyone on earth but we're fighting with sin yeah mm. we are fighting with sin we are fighting with our sinful passions we are fighting with any of those values that are not the values of the gospel they are so far from the values of the gospel uh, uh, we can think about jealousy pride envy all these things that we could list down that we find in the gospel mm-hmm. these are our daily struggles these are the struggles we find around us you know and and we have to cope with them on one side the tension is real because on one side there is the values of the world and the influence of the world that will say hey, take it easy go along with this no everybody is doing the same and on the other side there is our good conscience that reminds us the voice of god mm. telling us you belong to me you belong to god's kingdom by what your baptism and even if we are not baptized say we are uh, there are people who, who are not christians they also can listen to the conscience the voice of conscience where god speaks mm-hmm. calling them to good life good values good morals and this is how uh, people continue to listen to the voice of god in the context of our society today i see i see okay. so explicitly for those who are baptized now we come to be part of church militant who are persevering against the the evils that surround us uh, that are front to god's kingdom All right, all right. I think that's a good uh, starting point for for all of us listening here today. So let us move on to the second point, right? What is church penitent? Or oh, you would you would mention it as a church suffering, right? Yeah, church suffering, yeah. yeah. So a church suffering is a church that is on the path of purification. Okay. These are our brothers and sisters, our to be more simple, our parents. our grandparents our relatives our dear friends people we know in the parish in the community you know who have gone before us who have passed on whose life here has ended mm. but life does not end completely life on earth has ended so is is changed for them then as their life now continues towards god and in the process of attaining fullness of life with god there is this process of purification a process of purgation mm. right so there is this time of refining one's life before the fullness of life with god mm. 
and and so we call this a a state of purgatory a state of purification mm-hmm. now purgatory is not a kind of a temporal hell it is perhaps a threshold a doorway to heaven maybe we can say that way okay um so those who have gone before us huh? while they have lived a good life there is still the residue of sin mm-hmm. that clings on to us you know and these need to be purified mm-hmm. if i may understand if i may speak more uh simply huh? part of our human ambition in this world is slowly to turn away from god and to turn towards us as human beings so the human person becomes a central feature of this life this is very real because most of the things we do in this life is really defined by how i perceive certain things how i decide certain things how i do certain things you know uh, if we are people who are mindful that we also live in the way that god asks of us then this two will be harmonious mm. my life and the life that god invites me mm. sometimes in the busyness of life we are just attuned to our own self you know so if i were use the word the anthropos the human being the human person who turns towards himself he becomes the defining norm of life today mm-hmm. i become the defining norm of life you know descartes the french philosopher will say i think therefore i am i am the reference point you know so we, if we have lived our life entirely this way huh? then at some point the reality will come to mm-hmm. catch up with us am i really the reference point and then i think if i am the reference point how come i perished yeah so there must be something else which is a reference point and then we understand it is god mm. so what happens in purgatory then it's the admission of the truth that the human person who has turned towards himself as the reference point must now turn back to look at god mm-hmm. to be theocentric mm. theo god huh? god centered so when we turn back and look at god then we know those things that we have done in the course of our natural life that perhaps we had sought forgiveness or we had repented but not perhaps remorseful not totally have left it mm, unsettled completely. incomplete mm. those little things that cling on to us that we could never articulate we could never speak of we took it with us as we went all of this are still there no and they have to be refined they have to be purified and i believe this purification is god's love extending towards us if i may just take a little while here the expression that when we speak of purgatory uh, is something like uh, this visual that i can present here the the eastern church has this very beautiful way of understanding this time of purgation of purification now do you remember i i remember very clearly when i was a little boy and i went to church uh, 
i was very naughty no um i would be busy crawling under the pew i would go and take somebody else's hymn book no i'll make noise i'll disturb the person at the back you know and all my father will do after some time of tolerating he will look at me and say you come home and when i got home i'll have to stand before him he will be seated and he'll look at me and all did he, and all he will ask me is what did you do in church today that's all no what did you do in church today sometimes he just looks silently at me but the language is understood no why did you do such things in church today that look itself will give me my self judgment i misbehaved that the truth to accept the truth we need to look at a person who loves us a lot when you look at a person who loves us a lot who did not want us to misbehave i said what did you do and then the truth suddenly hits us yeah i didn't take my life seriously that's an example so the fa- eastern fathers have this notion when we stand before god god doesn't really need to judge us verbatim looking at him who is full of love for us we would judge our own selves mm-hmm. what did i do now mm-hmm. gosh that pure it is you know right and that period of purification is needed for us to come to the communion of heaven because heaven is a place of love it's a place of truth god is a place of love god is truth god is love to be finally united with god everything that is not of god has to be away from us and that is really god's work now how he purifies us but that is possible because we know that that feeling when we stand before somebody who is loving what did i do i didn't do right that self awareness is already here mm. similar i believe in purgatory mm-hmm. those who have gone before us perhaps looking at god who is love need that time to be purified mm. hence we pray for them mm. that they come to that self realization that their their purification is quickened right their admission and their desire for the truth to accept the truth is quickened so that they can come to share the communion with the saints and god's presence quicker yeah it's a time to perfect themselves to perfect themselves yeah, yeah. Mm. and this leads on to you know our following mm. state right yes. which is church triumphant and this some, this somehow links to the promise of christ if i'm not mistaken right mm. so the church triumphant describes the church in heaven mm. the church that has come now to share in the fullness of god's presence and yet if we look at the the good teachings of the church they are there and yet not fully in communion because there is one day when all things will be consummated it is then that everyone shares in the fullness of god's communion god's mm. presence right now they are there and yet they are waiting for us to get there mm. the only person in full communion in heaven is blessed mother 
she's the only one in full communion and is and sharing in the glory of christ but all this is you know theologically we will say made possible because of christ's death and resurrection right that is the saving grace that affords us this possibility of a life that completes in this earth and then after purification we come to share the glory of heaven so one day when it is fully consummated all things come to an end then we come to share the fullness of life with christ until then those who have arrived are already there beholding the presence of god in communion with god already but they are cheering us from there their prayers support us so when we ask them to pray for us they are praying for us they are encouraging us on our faith the church militant so the church triumphant is praying for the church militant to come to share that glory of god you know so these are those who have been purified past purgatory past that purification stage now they come to share in the presence of god and this is where now as st paul will say no in essence there are three things faith hope and love finally only love remains faith and hope are fulfilled so love remains means now they are in full communion with god or rather i would say in a proper way in communion with god and yet waiting for all of us to get there so that there will be that full communion that day of final consummation uh, st paul would put that in a very visual way you know say when all things are put under the feet of christ and christ offers it to the father so this theological language but that's how we find our language to express these things that the church triumphant is those who have gone before us now sharing the glory of christ we know them as saints as blessed uh, we call them that way but they are more than just those whose names we know of course yeah so that is really now made possible because of god's grace mm. yeah all right so uh we've talked about very very briefly only so how does this link all back to salvation why is it important for us each, uh for us on earth to desire to reach to heaven mm. you see 3 days ago i think we celebrated the feast of the triumph of the cross and the gospel reading there says it very beautifully now god loved the world so much he gave us his only begotten son not to condemn the world but the world may be safe through him so god created the world in love all that has come to be has come because god is love and therefore god is good all this have come including our life because god loves us at some point in our own life we have pursued things on our own interests thus perhaps moving away from god taking up certain things that are our own human limitations 
within our own sin, whatever it is, that have become habits, have become second nature to us, that are wrong. So we have defined our own way of lives. Most of us, I, I'm sorry if I qualify it this way, I think struggle between these two things, of wanting to adhere to the voice of God, at the same time, our own inner voices, our own desires, our own passions are enticing, exciting enough to pull us the other way. So we are right in between these two tensions. And yet, uh, God still loves us. And that faithful love has never changed. This we see in scripture or throughout scripture when human persons leave God's com communion, God still works to bring them back because he knows the effect of fall. It totally distances us away from God, you know. Right. So that is how Jesus comes into the world. And by his passion, death and resurrection, salvation now becomes possible for all of us. So it's God's way of bringing to perfection everything that he has created in love. Because the finality of this whole journey is that we arrive at God. If we do not arrive at God, then one, this life is not complete, and two, as how St. Augustine will say, it is a restless life. So life comes to rest, perfection, only when it arrives in God, in the end. And if we would take the word of uh, Julian of Norwich, it's a great act of faith, you know, to say in the end all manner of things will be well because God brings all of us back to communion with Him. Right? Now we can take this longer if we would ask ourselves, how is all this possible? <laughs> we spoke a lot about this, mm. about, the trans about the whole journey of life, from this life to finality with God. How is all this possible? Is this reasonable? Faith cannot just be at a level of faith alone without a firm support to its ascent. Faith is an ascent. It has to have reasonableness. So how do we reasonably look at this process? It's as simple as how we do certain things. Everything that we do has a beginning point and an end point, correct? Yes. Everything that we do, whatever we set out to do, has a beginning point and an end point. And the end point is always something that we desire to take it to that direction, because the end is good. If not, we would not pursue that end. No? Even if there is some negativity or corruption or wrongfulness, that person who is doing that would still desire it as good for himself. That's why he pursues that direction. Hence, we have sin. It's wrong, but the person feels it's right. So he'll take it to that end. So all things that begin will have an end. The end point is the rest point. It rests. So we look back at philosophy. We have a lot of philosophers who speak about this. No? Aristotle would be 
a prominent person who speaks about all things that begin with an efficient cost and end with a final cost. Even we as human beings begin and we can complete certain things. It is Thomas Aquinas who will come now, much later, and help us understand this whole thing that as human persons we proceed from God because we are the work of God and therefore we end with God, the completion. Just as how reasonably everything begins and ends in the natural course of works that we do. Take this recording for example. There is a beginning point and there will be an end point. <laughs> as natural as that, no? If 1st of January is the beginning, there will be a 31st December. As how the beginning is envisioned, the end can be envisioned. Because in our natural order, of course, things begin, things end. People are born, people die. Life begins, life ends. And so, where does this take us? That the end is not always just perceived as death alone. Our church teaching takes us to a higher level. The end is communion with God. Not life that perishes on earth. Because we came from God. We return to God. Beautiful. Thanks, Father. All right, so let's move along a little bit here. As the date of uh, releasing of this uh, recording, right, we will be celebrating the Solemnity of All Saints Day soon, which is a day of obligation for all you listeners out there. Wink, wink. And also All Souls Day. Why do we celebrate the saints? We celebrate the saints as a reminder of the triumphant church. Uh, mm -hmm. These are men and women who have lived lives just as ordinarily as us, struggled with life, struggled with the reality of sin, struggled with their passions, and still somewhere inside there, one, they have listened to the voice of God and moved forward, or that at the end, something happened where God still could touch them and at that point, there's a change in their life. Mm, there's a metanoia. There's a metanoia or there's a the turning point. Take Augustine, for example, no? one of my favourites, classic guy. You know? Turning point and then after, a life of virtue begins. They, for us, are a reminder of what God can do in our life their heroism, their virtuous life are really reminders of what God can do. And it's not all big stories alone. Small stories are also involved. Just a fortnight ago, I think, John Paul I was beatified. He was a Pope for only 30 days. And yet, in that 30 days, he's recognised and for the life that he has lived before, as a smiling Pope, a man who tells us that the church needs joy. And he believes in joy because perhaps his faith convinces him that God is love. And God is warm, embracing. You know? 
We see Pope Francis now who teaches us about mercy, another face of God. Little, little lessons like this. So the church triumphant that we celebrate on All Saints Day, and of course, besides the list of saints that are listed in the Roman canon, huh, there is a whole lot of people there who share the glory of God, whose names we do not know. But all these people who are in, in the fellowship of heaven, these are the people we celebrate, remembering their virtue and remembering what God has done in their life, which sets an example for us. Mm. Yeah. All right. So we can't talk about All Saints Day without talking about All Souls Day. Mm -hmm. So what is All Souls Day and what is the indulgence that is attached to it? Okay. All Souls Day would be those who are the church that is in the process of purification. Mm -hmm. Also gone before us, but not yet arrived fully into the communion of the saints in heaven. They are in that process of purification. Now, that time, for them, nothing can be done from outside, from us, except to pray for them. You know, so that they are afforded the grace that is required for them to make their purification in the presence of God. So we support them with our prayers. We support them with our corporal work of mercy, um, visiting the, the grave, cleaning up, simple things like this, you know, cleaning up, remembering them, saying a prayer for them, attending Mass, uh, All Souls Day Mass. Huh? And I think that, that day's Mass is very close to many people because all of us have lost people in this life. And uh, we can resonate with what is being celebrated on that day. The, the church takes a more penitential mood on that day. Because it is a time to remember those who have gone before and to sincerely pray that they go through this process of purification beautifully and come to share the fellowship of God's presence. Yeah. Yeah. Because if we love someone, we will the good of the other, right? True. And if we will the good of our lost, uh, our loved ones who has passed on before us, yes. we would want them to reach heaven. Correct. So we, we would, would want, want them. To, yeah. We would want them to share in the, in the fellowship of, it, of God's company, eternal life, and uh, that desire is also where we celebrated the day before All Saints, you know, that they will come to that campanila, you know. And I suppose for those who have lost loved ones, this day becomes very personal for them. Because now we, we do not just pray in abstract for people who have gone before, but we can put faces and names to memory. And that becomes even more personalized as prayer. Mm. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's just wrap it all up now, Father. It's been a very good conversation with you. Is there anything else you would like to tell the listeners for them to have a more fruitful All Saints or All Souls Day this time around? Remembering All Saints reminds us that there is a trajectory in life. That we have come from God and that we return to God. And that if it is kept at the back of our mind, it colors the things that we do. The struggles that we go through in life 
there is consolation because God's presence is with us. And God is always there accompanying us in grace. Just as how he had accompanied the saints. You know, and they go before us. They have gone before us. Now it is our journey to walk this faith. And uh, the virtuous life that we leave behind as a story for others behind us sets an example for others to imitate or to look and learn. Uh, this person lived his life. I suppose in the end of our life, uh, people remain, re remember us for that one or two virtuous uh, quality of life that we have lived. This person was very compassionate. This person was a kind person. This person smiled. This person had a gentle word to say. The summation of life is actually very simple. It comes to a few words actually, when we finish, you know. And if those virtues are attributed towards the values of God's kingdom, then we know that at the back of our life, who coloured our life? God. You know? Where else the others who are not remembered or forgotten, we simply forget because there's nothing to remember or to exemplify in our own life. Or perhaps we remember so that we do not exemplify them. You know, that virtues that, you know, we, those people lived for. Yeah, but mostly we remember the, the good values those who have gone before have set. Saints especially, we read about them. So we know that in their life, God has been influential to them. And those who have gone before us and are now being purified on, that we remember on All Souls Day, the closer the parting, the heavier the heart. And this really is because uh, love. Love carries the weight of separation in the heart. Those who have gone before, who mean a lot to us. And we pray that uh, they will come to share eternal life because we love them. And uh, we hope God will give them that eternal life too. Yeah, these are the two things. All right. Thank you so much, Father Surin. Thank you for your time and saying yes to speaking with us. It's been a joy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank been you a, for the invitation. Yeah, it's been a very good joy for us as well, listening to you. So, the Mass times for the Solemnity of All Saints and All Souls in the Chapel will be available on our website and our social medias, so do check that out. And for any other updates, you can refer to our website and our Facebook and Telegram accounts. Also, follow this podcast so you know when our next episode comes out. Until then, see you guys. Unboxing the Faith is brought to you by the Social Communications Ministry of the Chapel of Christus Aman.